0: What's up guys, welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. I am your host, Gavin J. Gallagher, and on this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game often playing out subconsciously in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate or property investment market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset, behavior, take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. So here we are, guys, on episode number 57. Last week I did a short episode by myself just talking about facing down adversity and I also went into the new Mastermind group that I am launching which I went into a little bit of detail last week. If you want to know know more you can listen to last week's episode but um, I will be sending out an email to everyone who's on my email list. So if you're not on my email list please make sure you are. You can get your name onto it by going to com forward slash go. This week's guest, I, I think you're really going to enjoy this. He has a fantastic story. And um, since I started this podcast, since the very first episode, I have made it very clear that this entire thing is about mindset and the mental game. And the reason that I brought that into the, the primary focus is because I really Strongly believe that mindset is the number one determinant on whether or not you're going to be successful in life, in this game, in this industry, whatever it is. And um, you know, for example, facing down adversity, uh, the only thing you need is a strong mindset. And if you have a strong mindset, you're not going to buckle. You're not going to let the adversity get to you. So, my guest today, Joe Doyle from Plandorken in Dublin 22. Now, anyone who knows Dublin. And I know Clondorkin quite well because I bought a number of properties out there. And let's just say that there are parts of Clondorkin that have a fairly heavy uh, share of social issues. Let's say, you know, long term unemployment, which leads to drug use and crime and things like that. And as Joe mentions himself, there are parts of Clondalkin that you just don't want to go into at night. And um, it's a, it can be a rough st- spot. Now, it has improved over the years, but Joe grew up right in the middle of all that. And over the years, I've met tons of people from all sorts of uh, walks of life. And many of them often blame their place of birth uh, or their family's economic circumstances for whatever situation that they're in. And they often, you know, will turn turn it around and kind of like point at me and say, oh, it's all fine for you growing up, you know, in the affluent part of town and everything was basically given to you and, you know, you didn't have to work as hard as we have to work. And this whole attitude kind of prevails in a lot of um, these kind of situations. And if ever there was a proof that none of that makes a damn bit of difference, it's today, it's talking with Joe. Because rather than seeing the kind of situation that he grew up into, the neighborhood he was born into, as a disadvantage. He actually sees it as the land of opportunity. And I absolutely love his mindset because, um, you know, whatever about, you know, building up, coming out of that circumstance and actually becoming a success. After he got hit in the 2008 crash, like myself and like so many others, he was um, a guy that basically was... You know, negative net worth. He went from being, you know, a couple of million in the into on the plus side of the of the balance sheet. He ended up in the negative balance sheet, and um, it took him a couple of years to get the banks on side and to turn it all around. But he has managed to do that, and he's come back even stronger. And you know, you might there might be people out there who call that just simply luck or he got a lucky, lucky break, but I don't believe that for one second. And I say it's all down to the mindset that he has brought to whatever issues he's facing at any time. And that is simply uh, what I believe is the most important thing. And so anything that we, you know, any challenges that you're facing in life, just try to flip the switch, flip the script on it, and just simply don't look at it as a major problem. If you see something, as a major problem or a huge challenge, well, that is exactly what it is going to be because you've convinced yourself that that's what you're dealing with. But if you flip the switch and you simply believe in yourself, have confidence and have the mindset that you see this as a huge opportunity, um then you just get to work and you'll be able to overcome pretty much any obstacle that you face anyway that's my rant over i'm it's it's quite a long episode today we actually spoke for much longer but i've edited this down and just took the kind of the best parts. so without further ado my conversation with mr joe doyle joe doyle welcome to the podcast how are you
1: very good i'm amazing gavin it's amazing time to be alive thank you for having me here (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's amazing that we're coming out of lockdown slowly but surely um where does this podcast find you where are you based today
1: so right now i'm in i'm in my office this is this is me here is i've got i've got two studios in my office one is like a little one-man studio which is where i'm at now and the other one then is a, a multiple person studio next door so i'm out in like barely I, I i hear people and i see all the stuff that you've done in in your career which is savage you know and you're traveling all over the world and i'm like I barely move outside Dublin 22 literally barely move outside and all my business takes place here you know so I think it's a uh, well,
0: well you know what there's a there's a lot to be said for that I've I've actually heard people certainly in America you know guys that have become you know multi multi-millionaires and they haven't gone beyond like one or two miles from where they were born and uh, if you're just in that area and you own that area basically you, you can really do very well
1: yeah I'm um, Yeah, no, obviously, you're better off being a a small fish. I was a big fish, a small small fish in a big pond. You know, what what I have is working for me. Um, I've been a fan all the time of engineering your life. So I've kind of done that without realizing all the time. Like my office is 1.9 kilometers from my house. Um, My normal 5K route, I kind of run by my office. So if I ever need to grab something on the way, that's there. Pretty much every property I own is in within 15 minutes of where I live. A couple of them are a little bit further. Um, the staff live near me as well. It's, it's just Eventually convenient. you
0: know? Nicely, yeah. Well, look, let's get in. I mean, I'd love to get into all of that stuff today. Um, I just thought, like, you know, there's a lot of people listening from different parts of the world. So let's just have the little elevator pitch. Who is Joe Doyle?
1: My name is Joe Doyle. I'm a former bricklayer from Clendalkin in Dublin, and today I'm a property investor and business mentor for tradesmen, and I'm on a mission to make a hundred million quid.
0: A hundred million—that's not, not such a bad, uh, not such a bad goal to have there. Um, tell me this: uh, let, let's just go back to the beginning. And uh, Joe Doyle, before you know business and all that kind of stuff was part of your vocabulary. You know, what was it like growing up? You come from the Clondalkin area. And uh, I know from my investments that I've made in Kandak, that parts of it can be can be pretty rough. So, um, you know, to go from that to telling us that you, your your aim is to make a hundred million, tell us the journey that you've come from so far.
1: So, the part of Kandak where I come from is the part where you wouldn't have done any investments. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's not it's not as bad as it used to be, and there's the best people in the world there. Um, but it was a bit crap growing up, and I I'd often kind of joke, but it's not really a joke. I'd say like. You know, you meet good people growing up in, in an area like where I grew up, but the survival rate wasn't great. And that was genuinely the, the thing. That could, a lot of people didn't make it. You got involved all sorts of stuff, and some people just did, didn't make it, you know. Um, and I came from that environment. And, you know, as you're a kid growing up, and you're a teenager, you, you start becoming a product of that environment before without realizing and You have to kind of literally pull yourself back um, and say, geez, if I keep going down this road now, I'm going to end up like this fella, this fella, this fella, you know. Um, and I kind of reframed it in my head one day that I was actually, you know, there's nothing worse than someone that's coming in telling a sad story because my life is definitely not a sad story. There's a few kind of, you know, unpleasant events in it, but my, my life my is a good story, you know. Um, I, I, I'm a happy guy. Um, but one day, you know, without going into all the, the, the stuff that, that goes on in, in the air, loads of drugs and some friends have died and stuff like that from getting involved and that carry on. Um I realised that I was actually growing up in the land of opportunity. My mother would would leave the house. She'd walk to the shops and she'd come back and she'd say, oh, seeing such a person, he's a lovely fella. I'm like, he's a fucking psychopath. He's not a lovely fella, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but she was like, oh, he's a lovely fella, you know, he's always helping his man, all that sort of stuff. And this, and everybody's so immersed in their own life that nobody cares whether you succeed or fail. They just care whether you're polite to them and they bump into you on the way to the shop or, or whatever. So I realised that I didn't have far to fall. So I was a bricklayer, worked with my dad. Then when I finished my apprenticeship, I realized I didn't want to be a bricklayer no more. So I just knocked that on the head and I just start building one or two houses. You know, they get a little site. and um, I bought my first house when I was 18 and then I bought a little site when I was, before I was 19 and I built that. And I've done one house each year for, for a couple of years. But Did you build
0: this, you built it from scratch, from the ground up um, yourself or you brought in yeah. makes that had different trades and stuff?
1: Ah, yeah. Like, look, we, like there's kind of cement runs through my blood, you know, because I worked right. with my dad since since I was a kid. Like that's that's all that that I knew. And we'd bring lads on, and they would be kind of like my my dad ran a kind of strange business. Um, anybody that's from Clendoch and our valley Ferma, and that would be fifty odd years of age, that would walk in the building space. They realised there was like loads of lads all around. They were all labourers and tradesmen, and they all kind of floated between each other. There was never a shortage of of getting men. So you'd go in and you'd take a lot on to do this and that. But we'd be doing everything from start to finish. And we'd be walking around the clock. Remember the, for, the, first, the first house we built? We built it start to finish in eight weeks. Literally walked around the clock, everything. Myself and a couple of mates was great. Wow. And, and then we realized, well, here, here's the thing. <laughs> then I realized, okay, let's ring the ESB and get the power on. And they're like, yeah, yeah, no problem. It's going to take 16 weeks for connection. And I'm like, oh my God. So I've <laughs> my neck for eight weeks. And now the house has to sit idle for a quarter 16 weeks um and that was one of the first lessons I learned and that hard work is not the ultimate goal it's like being clever and smart and 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 using your head so uh that was that and then we did another day and another day and another day and I just kind of snowballed from there but I realized that like I, I'd left school when when I when i done my junior cert and you know I was so
0: 16 or thereabouts
1: yeah I think I was even I was I was less than 16 because uh I had to I had to wait for a while to start my apprenticeship because I, I was too young what happened was um you know, you hear people saying, oh, like the teachers told me I was never going to amount that in school. But there was none of that with me. Like, I, I just couldn't be bothered, like, in school. I was clever enough, but I just couldn't be bothered. I had it in my head that the minute I get my junior said, I'm out of here and I'm going to be a bricklayer. And that's the best thing in the world that I could ever be. And, and that was it. But well, I didn't need it. A lot of my buddies had left school at the same time. And the reason how I realized that I was growing up in the land of opportunity was because I didn't need a, a leave insert. I didn't need a college degree to blend in. I didn't need a 500k mortgage and 100 grand worth of cars and the driveway just to blend in. Loads of people were on the labour. People were full-term, long-term unemployed or permanently unemployed by choice. A lot of people that I was kind of hanging out with, they just didn't, nobody bothered like. And then I realised that, well, if I go and do what I'm doing and start to try and create this wealth and I fail, well, I'm just back here with, with a lot of my buddies that have decided that they're not going to start. And I'll just go and rent a house off somebody like me because... Some of them were then renting houses off me. And I realized that, like, I was like, God help the people out there, then. the affluent parts, God help the people on Black Rock and Balls Bridge when they're starting out, because they have a much bigger mountain to climb than what just I have. To,
0: just to stand still, yeah, just to kind yeah. of join. Yeah, it's an interesting way to look at it, all right, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, clearly your mindset is different to the mindset of, of, of your friends and stuff that you grew up with. Like, where did that come from? Do you, do you you? Was there a light bulb moment when you kind of
1: were growing up yeah, you kind of have a few little things that go on in your life that kind of reinforce, you know. So it was, it was an in, interesting upbringing when I was there. Like sometimes there was there was money, sometimes there was food, and then sometimes there wasn't. Like, And the fact that, you know, so many people were growing up with nothing and everybody around them had nothing. So it was just normal to them. And I remember like, one time, you'd open the fridge and there's no food there. I'm like, oh, your dad never got paid this week. This is not the way I want my my family to be to be brought up. Um, and these little things ingrained in my head, you know, um, and there's a few other different things and b- basically a few situations of not having what you would class as basic essentials stuck in my head. Um, and I'm like, right, this will not happen with me. And that's what that kind of set me on a path. And then as I got a bit older, maybe 17, 18, I was decided then that I was going to buy, buy a property and that was my way to, to, to create a good life. And then when I seen people around me getting into trouble, you know, with lifestyle choices, getting into trouble with with the guards, going to jail. I said a couple of friends died from drugs and crime and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, hmm, you know, this is not me. And it more cements in your mind that that you're on the right track. And when you hear something tragic happening in your neighbourhood, it's a weird kind of thing that you kind of give yourself a pat on the back for distancing yourself that little bit more. Yeah, and it's a it's a sad kind of twisted thing to to feel gratitude for your own life when you see something bad happening to yeah. someone else, you know. Um and then even like when properties were getting repossessed on me then later on like I was like, you know, there's people out there getting beaten up because of what they're doing and if I mess up on my deal, I just get a letter sent to me house. It's not too bad, is it? When you're yeah. at it like that, you know? Perspective. Um, yeah, exactly. Um and that was it. It just kinda of set me off on a on a particular pattern. Over time, I basically became an absolute obsessed maniac. Let's honest, to put it politely. Obsessive on compulsive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in, in a in a in a in a, in a good way. way. Yeah, 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 but it's it's working for me.
0: I know that in two thousand and eight, like myself, you went through a rough patch. Tell us, just before two thousand eight, that so you you were snowballing your your investments. You were building houses, building houses, and. What you know? What did you get? What size did you get up your your
1: first portfolio? Yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't that that many to be honest. So what was happening was I was bu- I bought the first house and had no money to buy the second house. So the bank would give me um eighty percent of the the site cost and hundred percent of the build cost, which meant that the deposit required was a lot lower. So I'd done that the first time. Then I got a little bit extra in the build cost because I was doing it myself, and that was the deposit to go into the second one. So. I went from buying a site to buying a site to buying a house with a site to buying a house with a site, And I had 10 properties and then the whole thing just fell down that, that on That was me. 2008. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I 10 okay. properties. Um, there were a couple of them where were, were valuable enough properties. Uh, we had a project on that was going to be worth two and a half million or so and we finished it. So we we're going to have like six million valuation. Of that, of when assets. we finished it. Nice, yeah. Yeah, you know, three million borrowings or something like that. Or um, was a five million valuation um, and you just look, There was there was basically two million quid left over. I was it started when I was eighteen. I was twenty three. I was like, this is easy. Two million quid every five years. You know, you know you just add it up in your head. And little did we know, then the the ground opened up and uh, swallowed everyone. Swallowed yeah. everything. You know. Yeah, yeah. And what people don't realize is, is that the amount of time that it takes you to deal with these things is absolutely a nightmare. So not only are you spending so much time dealing with this drama that's after going on but it's taking up all your time and all your creative energy that you would be putting in somewhere else. Yeah. And and you just can't do that. And uh,
0: so what did you do to get yourself out of that?
1: So, so what happened was, um, we had a couple of properties that were, were, were repossessed and I'd been kind of trying to find people to help me with this and all, because in my head, I was a 23 like year old bricklayer from Glendalken. Who do I go to? There's no point in talking to anybody in my family because none of them have a clue. Like, and the, the only option was to go bankrupt but I just didn't want
0: to do that yeah I can relate totally yeah I mean yeah. I, I was in the same space I didn't go bankrupt um yeah. because of that um that kind of there was just enough of a light at the end of the tunnel that I thought no no I'll, I'll stay I'll keep going I'm not gonna go and push the button but I actually spoke to somebody about it
1: that's right. how close
0: I got I gave it some thought some serious <laughs> thought
1: I gave it loads of thought <laughs> um and, and I didn't do it either um, so what had happened was picking something. I think I was 27 years old at this time, so this would have been 2011. Yes, so it happened from 2008, and but I got 2011. Just adding up there is that three years
0: of, of, yeah. years of dealing yeah. with headaches and all yeah. that kind of nonsense. Yeah,
1: nightmare was between the process. Now I don't know. You, you never really know was on the background, I was still pushing another business, and I've got investment on Dragon's Den for another business. People kind of knew me a little bit that this guy is a he's a trier you know I, I, i'd yet to prove myself but people knew me in the bank and somebody said that and again i don't know how true it was like joe you're at you're at you're a high earning risk so the bank ain't gonna let you off the hook so all i wanted to do was because when i looked at it then at this point we were like two million quid underwater you know make a 100 grand a year for 20 years pay my tax so i left 50 grand for 20 years i was still a million quid shy. it just didn't make sense they said you know there's a chance you're going to they won't let you off the hook because they, they believe your profile, regardless of where you come from, your age, what you've done so far, you're gonna make more money. So, my my request to the banks at all time was just to dispose of everything in a full and final settlement. And they said no. And you know what they just think stick in your head. I was like, you know, when you've got a kid being bold and they're like, Can I got sit there, stay there, and don't move till I tell you? Yeah. That's that's what the bank basically said. No, keep the properties, rent them, pay us the money. And we'll tell you what to do. I just done that then in the end because they they gave me enough leeway to pay the properties back. Over time, values bounced back, rental bounced back. I'd got long term stuff going on. I had four problem. I had four banks that I had problems with, and it was unusual things had happened with them, but. You would think that you'd get more excited as you got closer to the end, but we actually it got more stressful for me as I got to the end because I realised that if any one bank didn't give me a deal that was manageable, the whole thing was a waste of time.
0: Yeah,
1: and yeah. I went through the process one at a time, got everything renegotiated, and, uh, you know, and that was it.
0: it. Put it in the back in the back picture then behind you. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and I had a big board on my wall, and all the stuff that I'd done was just had a narrow saying there. You know, that was my A game. That was gone, and I was. Plotting this B game as to how I was going to reinvent myself. And then the A game came back into existence. Then the B game started to take off. Then I realized, then I was basically faced with a situation that I've got two choices here. Do I walk away from the property game where I've served my apprenticeship now and I've learned how things go bad and I've learned how to deal with it? Or do I go off and deal with something else?
0: Double down. And,
1: yeah. And I just went flat out. And I handed, again, I just had these weird visions in my head. Um, I had this advisor, I had two advisors with me and it just, did they were just, I didn't, I felt they had done more harm than good. And I went into the bank and I said, listen, I don't know if these people are doing me more harm than good. So I don't know what they said to you. I don't know what the process is. Just, you know, what do I need to do? And they said, look, we need to get certain bits of information. But I, I went and got recommended to another advisor. And this guy was as old school as you can get. And I said, look, I don't want you to advise me. I want you to just be on the end of the phone when you tell me these things i'm gonna ask you questions so i got the thing over the line says look i want to pop out and meet you because the, the day was done then and this is where things started to turn for me so i went out to meet this guy just purely to it's like me and you doing some business and then we conclude the business gavin look i'll pop out you you know just no, yeah. to say goodbye and say thank you so um i went out and he had this big pile of foils he was working in the home office and i was like it's all those people in the same situation as i am and he was, went off and, oh, let the banks, da, da 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 And I thought, oh, here's an opportunity for me. I've just literally fixed the problem for me with 10 properties. There's about 40 properties there. I could fix all them. And I was like, does the people just want out? Oh, they'd give their right hand if they could walk away and all that. I was like, well, give me the funds and let me talk to them. And he wouldn't do that. But it, it sparked an interest in me. And then I started putting myself out there, connecting with other people who are accidental landlords and they wanted rid of the properties. Yeah. So... Then I start connecting with them, negotiating with the bank on their behalf, um, negotiating settlements, and buying the properties. So I basically that was my next boost. So I learned everything I learned in dealing with the bank just catapulted me onto the next level, and it was it was a great.
0: So you turned a problem into an opportunity in the end.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was good. Like we made like made significant money, like in a, like literally on on day two. So day one it was finished, and on day two I'm like, great, let's go
0: straight Um, into an opportunity that's nice yeah well well done Uh, not to like a lot of people get so badly burnt by it that they that they don't really go back you know they're they're gun shy as they say
1: yeah like i i'd often be chatting with a lot of people and i'd be saying like i I always say look i'm I'm not the most smart smartest person you'll, you'll meet but i'd say i'm the most determined i'll tell them out straight you know and when i speak with people then that i've had banking issues i I would put myself up there and in in the in the top single digit percent of people who learned how to deal with it correctly because i had i was like no look it's done it's not happening again i'm moving forward and and that that works for me and i see a lot of people that like this is 2021 and we talking about stuff that happened in two thousand and eight. So there's still people today that's shook over stuff that happened fourteen years ago. That's a lifetime
0: time ago, you know. Yeah, no, it's so true. I wanted to go into. um, I mean, you got yourself out of trouble and um, and you started now building a portfolio for yourself. You had some interesting investment criteria, which be quite different to to what a lot of people are looking at. You know, the the, the fancy part of town. You're lucky if you get three percent annual return on your on your capital. You're to- you were talking about 1% a month, so 12% a year, basically.
1: Yeah, that's our starting point that we're looking for. Start. Uh, that's your minimum? Yeah, now it's getting kind of a bit tighter at the minute, to be honest, but that's we might have to revise it at some point, but uh, that was my gig, yeah. That's So So
0: you've really carved out a really interesting niche because you can, like 12%, it might be, you know, a kind of a rough part of town and people might sort of turn their nose up at at something like that but actually the yields that you're getting are phenomenal you can actually double your money over seven years or something like that
1: yeah like it does it does come with 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 the does come with the drama like no doubt you know um there's a bit of extra management saying yeah there is there is yeah and and to be honest you know as i go on to my next level i probably wouldn't do those deals again but you, you live and learn and they serve you and they get you to an i've got this thing in my head where we go up in layers, and it's it's a part of it and that the wider the base, the stronger the foundation. And every layer you go up, the jump is that bit higher. So the earning potential is is that bit higher every time you go up. So mm. we're dealing with some ropey stuff. Like you know, I'll just give you a laugh there. Like gets a text message one day, my dad's cooking meat upstairs, right? and oh, I'm right. like, right, we this don't not, one of
0: your part One of your this properties. is from
1: this is from a tenant. I'm like, right, they don't teach you that in the. In the um
0: property manager's handbook. And, and,
1: yeah, exactly, you know, and then um we bought a property one day and um gets a phone call. Uh eh, Joe, we're up here and um like those those bullets on the ground. I'm like okay. I was like, What do you want me to do with them? I was like, I don't know, throw them in the skip like he said do you want to call the guards? I said, like, If you call the guards, I says, We may move out of that property right now. I was like, just I said, just bury them in cement and put them in the skip and continue on and he's like, Okay um where somebody had hidden something in the property while it was abandoned. Right. and then we come in and start refurbishing it and all sorts of stuff but you you get mad antics going on and all sorts of stuff but at the same time while you're dealing with people that's on the lower end of the economic scale once you respect them people they will have respect for you of course and yeah. and, and it's not them people because them people are my people that's where i've grew up and this is why i i believe i'm, I'm lucky enough to have grown up in the land of opportunity you know
0: so they accept you as well Is it whereas if it was somebody like from from the posh part of town comes in and buys up a couple of properties they're not going to be accepted
1: you need to be careful i think yeah exactly um so like i'll give you an example we just closed the deal today and we bought two properties next door to each other somebody connected me with the guy that was selling them and he's like, I've got this house and this house, the next door. I'm like, right, where is it? I'm like, God, oh, that's a bleeding hellhole down there. I was like, but you know what? My cousin lives on that road, so he'll know somebody that lives there because that's where my, my family's from. I was like, great, right. I'm happy with the price. I'm happy with the deal. Um, One of the properties was vacant, and the other property was tenanted, and I had to take the tenant in place to, to make the deal happen. So I will like, right, go down and see what sort, what sort of tenant's in here. I was like, it's probably some fella now going to drive me mad when I go down here, and it's going to drive me even mad because I'll have to say no to the deal. When I got down, I was like, "Oh, Robbie, how you doing, man? Where you going? I'm going. Are you going oh, God, are you in there?" He says, "Yes, I'm buying your house as well." There's a guy I used to go to school with, you know. I was like, "Oh, that's great, man. So, so now he's in there. Um, and then in the new house that we just bought, um, I put another one of our buddies who we all went to school with as well. And everybody kind of knows each other. Uh, but you just, you, I think you just need to have your wits about you. And do you so
0: find, just, I mean, because that that sounds like a great deal. Obviously, you know who you're dealing with stuff like that. But there's a there's another side to that which can be kind of a problem where you know people and so they're you know if they kind of are struggling they'd be like oh come on now joe uh can i can i can you give us some time and i'll get you back next month this kind of thing you know is that have you had to deal with any of that kind of stuff
1: you always get little bits and pieces here and there but like all my all my rent is paid for by half
0: yeah okay so they're not paying yeah, so,
1: for us, so they, 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 they can't afford to pay the rent so they're
0: so they're, they're on, on the a house. housing thing okay well that actually makes then it, it makes it a lot easier from your point of view yeah okay yeah.
1: But and, and nowadays we get the rent paid to ourselves, which is grand. But at one stage, the checks used to go to the to the tenant, and the tenant had to top the check up. And like if you're in a minute late, like you know Christmas, you weren't. If you if you didn't go down there at like five o'clock on Children's Allowance Day, it was gone. You know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And nowadays it's a better system. They pay their money to the council, and then the council pay us. And it's 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 a better system altogether. But yeah, look, we've had you know i got one tenant like she was in hospital, and I end up leaving, paying whole rent for her just to. Keep her on, so you know she needed to pay money to uh pay her thing to the top of us. She's she's sound. Just pay our rent for it, you know. So what you deal with them? Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's it's a small percentage, you know. And like, so it, bear works. On, yeah, it works. For yeah, works. Well, yeah, it, it works for me. Like bear in mind, they had to pass Like you know, I'd, I'd be I'd be in the media every now and then commenting on stuff like this, right? And every journalist I actually had a big row there two weeks ago with a journalist on on uh news talk because they were trying to tell me that landlords will not take up they're discriminating, right and i like, like that just does not make sense whatsoever because it's guaranteed money from the state and if i advertise a property on that which i never do because i've got a pool of people waiting i am not ringing every person who's applied for that property because there'll be too many i'll look and I'll, I'll pick a name that i recognize or something like that and i'll start there and i'll go down but the the media are always trying to portray the landlord as the villain we've got like a hundred plus tenants of which literally we took a lot of them from a homeless situation and if there was five more than me in my area that would be 500 more people that are in a homeless situation that have a roof over their head so that that stuff kind of bothers me and they, they have their agenda to push yeah no matter what and it's it's crazy i was actually i was on a, a tv show there a while ago he put me against this kind of tenants rights activist person who had one stage being homeless and they were ready for a big round like after me chatting to this person for like 15 minutes she just completely agreed with everything I said. And because there was no argument, he cut us out of the TV show, you know. So they, they left me in <laughs> you the didn't credits. didn't
0: fill the agenda. <laughs>
1: didn't fit the profile, yeah. So you they, so they cut me out of the show, but he left me in the credits.
0: So tell us, I mean, we've, we've talked about your property career, and, uh, and you mentioned that you have about 100 tenants. So, I mean, what's your portfolio look like today? Must be decent size at this stage.
1: It's, it's just uh, three be- mostly three-bedroom houses, a couple of apartments. And we've got a few uh, pre Okay. dotted in there as well. So that kind of bumps the problem. We've got fif- 50 odd units in total.
0: 50 units and all yeah. in, the, in, the, in the Dublin 22 area, kind of, more or less.
1: 22, 24, 10, Dublin 8, Dublin 3, Dublin 11. But mostly Clendalk mostly and Talla, Ballyferma and a couple of thingless. And, and what kind of, what's your team look like in terms of size? So, it's basic, so on the property side, there's myself and Paddy and Jane. So Paddy's my, my number one guy. And then Jane is is kind of a joint PA. What part we skipped there is I like I had a building company for ten years. That's what okay. I was doing. Um, I've got a full team of lads that's available. You know when we when we need anything done. So we we've, we've kind of attained a few of them to do do the work. But no, that's that's good enough. I'd say if we took one more person on in the office, we could easily manage a hundred units based on how we we currently do things. And it's Paddy's done a good job of he he looks after that. We, we kind of joke saying like it's upstairs downstairs so i'm in my office now upstairs so i'm up here making the money and i give the money down to paddy and then paddy multiplies that money by putting into the property deals and uh so and he's I going out sourcing
0: is he is he sourcing property for you Look,
1: like we're kind of doing that together between us we're lucky enough that we're, we're attracting so many deals to us
0: yeah. at all times
1: so we, we didn't have that but we're noticing now that the pipeline's a bit dry we have seven more properties to close off um, well, actually, we will five now because we closed one I just said there a minute ago and the other one adjoining that closed off last week. So we have five more properties on that end and there's not more gone into the pipeline since then. So that's something that we'll have to address sooner right, rather than later. Right.
0: And so we're going to get into your your business mentoring business now, which I've been really interested following. You train tradesmen basically on how to run their business.
1: Yeah. So, so what happened was, and again, remember I said at the start where I basically just went back in doing for other people with the properties, what I'd done for myself. So I decided to leave the, the, the building game after being there for 10 years because I just I had enough. Of, um, And I was picking up a few properties along the way and I was making more money in rent than I was in running the business. So I decided to leave the building business altogether and focus exclusively on the property. And what happened then was, when I kind of left the building game, everybody knew. Because everybody in the area, they see my vans around. My company was called InsuranceWorks.ie. We specialised in insurance claims and the associated repairs. So everybody seen the vans and they knew who I was and they knew the company. And we could always basically go in and just take a job off any builder because if you gave us the job, you didn't have to pay for it. If you gave it to a builder, you had to pay him. So we can't be like, there's that insurance works, We're going to lose this job now. And we've done a really good job at that. So when I left... I was just more free chatting to other people that I met in the industry about how business has gone and all that sort of stuff whereas before I just never said that to anybody because you and wanted I, to
0: protect your business
1: basically oh yeah absolutely yeah so I assumed that everybody had five six million quids worth of property you know that was running a building company building houses surely if you're building so many houses and extensions and renovations you'll pick up a few for yourself and that wasn't the case and I'd be chatting to lads and oh, I can't get paid I was like, did you try this did you try that so eventually over the course of like a couple of eight weeks this thing just started to materialize and we had that we actually have something that most people do not have which is a skill set to run a business correctly because a lot of tradesmen are struggling so basically i set up a, a business mentorship program um and that that grew from there and you know when you turn on your laptop windows pops up and that's the operating system for your business well i have got an operating system for any small trades business or any construction business that like a dashboard Yeah, now, it's not a physical piece of software like what uh, it's on Windows, but, you know, it's a whole process. You do this, then you do this, then you do this, then you do this. Um, And that's what we do. So now this year, my mission for for 2021 is to get 100 tradesmen to their first 100,000 euros in their bank account. So a lot of lads have never had 100 rand in their bank, and I've got a board here. We call it a beast board. So when you hit your, your targets, you go on the beast board. Uh, so we're just basically getting the guys to hit their targets. Now there's a whole process and a whole program that's that's gone through. But like, there's nobody can come anywhere near us in terms of what we have in, in terms of effectiveness. Because what I'm showing these guys is exactly what I've done to to build a 12 million quid portfolio, and we are doing a million quid worth of work every year on the back of it. So I'm always saying to lads, just look at what I'm doing and copy it. Yeah, yeah. we just show them certain things. And uh they, they, they make it work. Just got on the phone to a guy, got off the phone there earlier to to a guy, one of my clients, and there. Uh, he's in business eight years and he started with me three months ago. He had nine thousand euros in his bank. That's all he had for as a combination of eight years and uh, today he's got thirty-six grand after like two and a half months. You know, so, an so extra thirty-six grand. Yeah, yeah. The
0: absolutely,
1: it, it absolutely works. Um, and it's great, it's a good buzz. Um we start off by showing them how they can make five hundred euros a day. And then we just you just go from there, so and if they, if
0: they achieve that, then they graduate,
1: yeah, exactly. So it's broken down 500 euros a day, and then we've got seven milestones throughout the year. So the year is broken into seven, seven week segments, seven, seven week segments, yeah. Um, each time you have, to, you have to set aside 14 and a half grand, and then the clock goes back to the start again. So if you miss the first one, you're not behind on the second one because it doesn't, care, it doesn't make a difference how good you are in the first one. Oh, you Patty, you're starting again today my friend you know I'll get you and yeah. and, that, and it's it's very very effective and it's a very rewarding job for me to do and that's why i'm making all these videos on on social media and outraging people and causing all sorts of hassle
0: but you're doing great i mean you you, you shared something in your social media last week last month that you i think you brought in like 84 grand or something like that i mean that that's coming close to a million a year coming off of your mentoring business
1: Yeah, yeah, but no one wants to be close to hand, don't you? Like, they want to (laughs)
0: achieve (laughs) it. That's the attitude I like. Yeah. Can you tell me, I mean, one of the things that I've said right from the start, if you've been listening to my podcast, I said that anyone who's thinking about getting into property, if you're a tradesman or something, you're actually really, really well suited to it because you've got some basic skills and you're going to have a network of mates or, you know, people that you know that can actually get stuff done. Whereas somebody who's coming from the posh part of town might not have any connections that are trades or anything like that, you know?
1: Yeah, and and where I'm at now, right? I'm actually realizing that, which is I've kind of like gone up a step or two from the guy that's starting off, right? But as I look back now, I think I kind of more injured my growth by doing everything myself. Mm. Because the money really was to be made in doing the deal and getting the deal over the line and collecting the rent and getting a refinance and getting it back whether you paid two and a half grand for the kitchen or you had to go retail at four grand, that really wasn't the deal maker. Yeah. So um, whilst being in the trade gave me the confidence to do the building and a bit of the reforms and that, like nowadays, like I wouldn't even look at a site to build a house because I can actually buy houses cheaper than the cost of building. So it yeah. just doesn't make sense in that regard, it's in, in the areas where I'm operating. So it sometimes what gives people the confidence to get going Will kind of help,
0: help hold them back down a little bit. Yeah. So, Joe, the, you're absolutely right. Actually, there's a book here that I've been reading. I don't know if you can read that if it's in no. reverse. Who thing. not how? It's who not how? And that is a, a major sort of superpower if you can figure that one out. And it's 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 all about who can do it, not how you can do it yourself.
1: Brilliant. Yeah. Yes.
0: Because if you can if you can figure out, I mean, that's how you leverage your time is by thinking to yourself, okay. Because I suffer from this as well, uh, you know, whereas I'm thinking, OK, got to go and do something and I'll turn on the computer and I'll immediately start trying to do it. And that's the mistake is made right there when you start trying to do it yourself. What you should be thinking is, who is the best person that I could ask to do that? And you focus your time. And I think there's the three price points. There's, there's the 10 euro job, the 100 euro job and the 1000 euro job. Yeah. and you want to spend all of your time on the thousand euro job that that's that's where you can bring in a thousand euro an hour we'll say and, and so when you're thinking of looking at a job and it's like you think to yourself hold on a second i can get someone to do this for a tenner um, yeah. or i can i can get somebody i can pay someone a hundred to do this for me and i can, can t- go back to focusing on the
1: thousand euro job so yeah, who definitely. not now that, yeah. that's
0: that's a good that's
1: a, that's a good uh, title isn't it when you, when you explain it I'm like oh very good yeah
0: Uh, joe i mean in terms of some of the mistakes that you've seen tradesmen make i mean where would you say are the weak the big weaknesses that tradesmen um find themselves
1: so uh, i'm assuming we're talking about like self-employed people business owners here right so even if we i i focus just to kind of answer that question in a roundabout way i focus specifically on tradesmen because the reason being nobody can compete with me in this space because they just haven't done like we've done like 3,000 repairs and 3,000 houses all over the country. You've been Um, a tradesman for 10 years, so... uh, Well, my whole life... You've had your own
0: business, yeah. You've had your own business for 10 years, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, but what, what I do will pretty much apply to almost any business, but what I see the biggest mistake small business owners making is they don't focus on the money, they focus on doing the job. So... Um, a guy rang me one day and he says i need you to speak to a friend of mine he's on it he's on the verge of like he wants to do something big and the way he's talking i think he's gonna do it he just needs a bit of guidance i'm like okay how much do you want to make this year a million quid right okay that means 83 grand a month that's 20 21 a week da, da, da. so i tell you what let's do a deal here right i believe that you can make a million quid in a year if you can make 500 euros on one day i says, it's one o'clock now ring me tonight when you have to making 250 quid and tell me how you're you you've done it now i'll start that next week he says to me i've got stuff to do today i'm like okay no problem and he left and that was it right But well, that's an example of a guy with a really big plan and speaking to me or somebody like me and thinking that we're going to give him a magic formula x plus y equals pff, turns into gold no you have to make money consistently starting today and i find that anybody who's working in in a trade space business or any, ha- any business where they're selling labor if you can make 500 euros a day in, in a day, it's a respectable amount of money because if you do it five days in a row, it's two and a half grand, four weeks in the month, it's 10 grand, which means you have an extra 120 grand in your bank account at the end of the year. And if you can be consistent about that, next year we go for an extra 250. But the guys get caught caught off guard and they start focusing on doing the job. A lot of times they focus on being right rather than being profitable. Your man was late in this morning, I oh, said, yeah away or ran him down that road and what about the job i told the client to be there tomorrow i was like would i not have been better off to arrive a half an hour late give the client 50 quid off the job or give them something extra give your man a bit of a wrap on the knuckles and get the job done and make your money you know yeah but you can't be disrespecting the job like that well you're the one he was half an hour late you are a day late as a result of how you reacted to him so i think boys are concentrating more on being right rather than being profitable mm-hmm. yeah you know, and and i love the concept of Five hundred a day because there's no wriggle room. There's no time to, you know, like it's three o'clock now. Okay, chat you at three o'clock tomorrow. Tell me how you made your five hundred quid. The people who go off the, the rocker, they go, I don't know what to do. I think, okay, well let's now that you don't know what to do, let's see what we can do.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I see a lot of lads wasting time on social media when I don't think they should be doing that yet. You Get don't you. need to use social media to make five hundred quid in a day. You know, but they're getting caught. That's 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 my just a bit. Um, Outside of that, like, the lads are absolute walkhorses. They're just walking, walking, walking. No problem walking every hour under the sun, but they're just not focused on the money.
0: And you encourage them to get into property as well, do you?
1: Yeah, so, like, we've got 100 guys now that we want them to have 100 grand extra in the bank at Christmas. So next year, the plan for them would be, obviously, to put that money to good use. So if they're down the country, they'll probably be able to buy a property for 150K. So we can start looking in January, and by April, May, they should have the 150 if they're up in Dublin, they'd probably be looking at 300k property, so you know they can probably use that as a deposit and get a mortgage. Um, I I have the concept of using your business as a vehicle for wealth creation. So what we've done here, for example, um, I said Paddy looks for money off me, so we 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 bought two properties. We need to put 50k into them. We've got them at 100k below market value, so we basically made 50k. Sent it down to Paddy. Paddy multiplied that from 50k into 150. Now we're not Putting that one fifty back in our bank, but that's worth two k a month in surplus rental income to ourselves. And you don't need to do that very many times to replace your salary.
0: Yeah, yeah. You doing
1: that? You could possibly do that three times in five years, and you've got your salary replaced.
0: And then you're able to decide whether you work or or focus on building a property portfolio.
1: Exactly, you have the choice then, and because I had the choice, I start playing around with the social media thing, and that works for me. But i wouldn't play around with that because i'd always bet on the short thing stick to what you know but because i had that other income there that was uh that allowed me the the freedom to play around with with this gig you know
0: so tell us about that gig i mean facebook when we when we spoke you you had um the first time you you got into it like three years ago or something or four years ago
1: yeah um i actually tell you it's an interesting story how how it happened just just by accident so um I had, I'm sure everybody that listens to your podcast knows Grant Cardone, yeah?
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, he's
1: my hero. He's listening. Grant, you know I love you, my man, yeah? <laughs> um, so I had to finish my banking stuff, my banking issues. And Grant Cardone had announced he was having this event. It was going to call it the 10X Conference. And this yeah. was in 2017. So I just said, you know I'm going to go to that. I was like, but you know what, I'm not going to get any bullshit general admission ticket. I'm going to sit in the front row. And I'm, I'm I'm literally, I'm I'm away on holidays. at The time It's like away for New Year's. Just treat myself after get my bank stuff. Away. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to uh, I'm, I'm gonna go front row. I'm gonna fly force class. Yeah, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get a Rolls Royce, the exact same as Grand Card. I'm gonna to get to pick me up from the hotel and bring me to the airport. And so I'm just dreaming all this stuff in my head, and uh, I'm like, right, hold on, Joe, don't start thinking you're very big balls here now. You're only over that little thing that nearly sent you. On there completely. And this is like literally me talking to myself. If you're gonna go and do that, that's fine because I would never stop myself from doing anything. But you must earn the money to do it somewhere else. You can't spend it from the little bit of money that you have. You must go somewhere else. So I'm like, okay, where that? And I just made a Facebook live video. So and, and I didn't realise that at that time. What did time, you do though?
0: What what was the video?
1: So I said, right, I'm after making a few million quid, lost it all, was in the shits and I'm at the fixing it, and I think I'd got a million quid or something back at this stage, you know, um, uh, of 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 net worth. You know, I wasn't in the bank, league. Um, I was like that's a story in itself because I got it, lost it, and I got it back. So anybody can do that once, but if you do it twice, like that's that that's kind of proves, you know what you're talking about. So uh, I took it out my Facebook video. I says, uh, says, "I've got a new business coming up, and it's going to be able to help certain type of people. And basically, I wanted to get." ten people and I was gonna charge them four grand each and I was gonna show them everything that had happened to me and uh in that process so that they could go off and do the same themselves. And and I got forty grand and I just spent the all on that trip basically. Wow. Um, yeah and then and then while well while, while I was there it was a crazy thing happens. I just pure remember this um there was a sign on the desk saying five day mastermind in Saint Bart's in the Caribbean twenty five thousand dollars and just me with my mouth thinking out loud saying, I go there and Cardone was standing next to me and he just took the thing off the off the table and he says, Here, and he pushed it into my chest and said, I had to take it, you know. And I'm like, Right, hold on I'm a minute, Joe You're after dreaming up 40k to do this trip. How can you dream up 25k to do this trip? So I'm sitting there at the stay at the con- at the, the conference and I'm like, by well, this stage people are listening to me a little bit on social media because I've made that video and backed up with a few more. I put them um, saying, if I was going to show you how to create a half a million worth of net worth, how much would you pay? And in my head, I was like, if I just show people how to buy their first two houses, that's a half a million. So people are saying all sorts of numbers. And then I said, right, they're all saying two grand, three grand, four grand, right, 1500 quid. So I just literally walked out in the conference, took the phone out and says, OK, for for 20 people only, 1500 quid. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to take you by the hand and, sh- and make sure you get your first two properties. And then the phone started erupting, so I literally back out the conference again. And then when you go to a conference and people are leaving all the time, I'm like what yeah, they're leaving, they're paying money to be here. And I'm like, I'm squeezing every cent worth out of this. So I went outside, and the phone was hopping. I basically rang Linda, my missus. I says, Linda, listen, there's people going to be dropping money to the house. Make sure you get their name, and make sure you go to the bank at the end of every day because I don't know how much money they're going to drop. And she goes, What's a phone? Listen, I can't talk to you. Just do that. And she's like, Okay, no problem. And then I rang Rachel who was who walked in my office, same story. With Rachel, take the money and Rachel's in the accounts. There's no invoice issued for this this money, like so where am I putting? I like, take the money, put it into the bank, we'll sort everything out and we come back. Okay, no problem. So by the time I got home, I'd like 30 grand delivered to uh to my office and my house it was crazy, you know. So then I had to start building the program after that.
0: So you hold on a second, that's brilliant. So you you said it, you made the statement live. Yeah, and you, and you got paid for it and then you thought oh let's go and make the program yeah.
1: now <laughs> now i had to make it you know but you it. see what what i was doing was so specific to what what i was telling people i was going to do with them was so specific to what i'd done plenty of time so i could do it in my sleep um so so that happens um paid for the trip got the money paid to trip, made the program yeah and then the thing is coming up then later on or whatever else so I, I kind of magic that money manifested that money again and in another twist because at the point now I'm, I'm nearly thinking I'm Peter Parker or what's his name what's Superman's name Peter Parker Spider-Man Clark and I was like this is this is real I can just basically tell the universe I want something and, and it gives it to me so when I was chatting to Cardone it's mad how just a couple of words can change the path of our life you know I got to speak I got to sit down and talk to him in his office the next day and he goes you should be on stage with us telling your story so I thought I'm going to be a guest next year so my mind went into overdrive I better put an event on where I can at least say to him when I go and meet him in St. Bart's yeah look had 300 people paid to see me and that'll just kind of cement that as like, right put the event on sold a lot of tickets then I'm writing my, my speech a few days before the well a couple of weeks before the thing is starting and I'm like I can't go here I like this is this is I felt like a fraud right because I was doing the the talk and then the next week I was going to the mastermind with Grant Cardone and at that point in time I still owed the bank uh, 120,000 euros and I had in my bank 120,000 euros so I couldn't get on the stage and tell people look what I've done if I still owed money to the bank because that would be just wrong and I couldn't go to St. Barts with no money in my account and hang out with all the gazillionaires because that's just not right either. Yeah, I need to, I need to figure this out, what I'm going to do. And I'm just walking around the house. And I was so panicked and stressed out, but I actually knew I was going to figure it out. And I'd done a deal a little bit before that, but I didn't realize how much money was in the deal. And I was like, shit, there's actually 130 grand to be made in this deal. So uh, I rang a buddy of mine and said, hey, listen, I'm about to make 130 on a deal. I'm not going to get paid for like eight weeks do you want to give me 120 today and when i cash in you can have the, the 10 grand he's like, so you're going to give me 10 grand just for nothing i was like well you're going to give me 120 he's like yeah but that's all i'm not doing anything else I'm like no that's it deal is done properly sold oh yeah i'll meet you tomorrow so he was all over the moon that he got the the uh the, 10 grand, the 10 grand for doing nothing yeah he met me the next day gave me a check i went in cleared the bank's um, stood on stage with a clear conscience, um, telling everybody, look, I I finished that, and I told them that I just cleared them a couple of days beforehand. And then a big huge hurricane wrecked the island of St. Bart's. No way. Yeah. And then the mastermind was cancelled. So no way. the the hotel was like a thousand quid a night. They gave me the money back. Cardone gave me the money back again. It was never rescheduled. And I had basically because I'd committed to going to the 10X event. And because I'd foolishly in my eyes open my mouth in front of her down to say i do that, it forced me to perform at a level that I've never actually performed at before. And I've actually done that a few times since. So I'm like, just give me a target, and I'm gonna knock it out of park. I mean, a big boy, we've got a wall turned into a whiteboard in this office in here, and we just write all these things on it, and we just make them happen. And it's you know outrageously they're they're for me like they're outrageously high targets. Um, it's a superpower. We make it happen.
0: You're you're manifesting stuff out of thin air, basically, yeah.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's magic, you know. And sometimes I say to people that, what's ever happening? And I think that they think I'm lying. And that's why I write stuff on the board and I put the data I've written on the board and I show them. And then they come back a few months later and they can see it there.
0: I wanted to ask you, you joked about it before, but the, the, the Bank of Job. Yeah. <laughs> Job. <laughs> Yeah, You have your own um, bank, uh, so tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so what we've been doing is we've been borrowing money off individuals and paying them an interest return. So my business model is Gavin wants to throw in 50 grand and my deal is 150 and it's worth 200. I'll line up three Gavins, I'll pay them 12% interest, I'll rent the property out and I'll only pay them, I'll do a 12-month deal with them, so they get a like colossal return on their money. And then I'm not making money in the initial 12 months, and then I'll refinance that back out.
0: So, you um, go to a traditional bank, will you?
1: Yeah, or anybody that, you know, we've got like Capital Flow or ICS or Dillisk, you know, and whoever whoever will lend the money. And to be honest, they are slow lending the money these days, you know? Yeah. Um, so, we've built this fund up. So, I've basically got like one and a quarter million euros in my back pocket at any given time, and I put it into a deal, and when I put it in, I get it back out. And that allows me to to go fast, and I just lose the first year on on every deal. But like the problem that I have now is that I've got like so many people looking to give me money, and you know we, we took a break there a minute ago, and I just I just done a cheeky check on my phone, and I've got like one two like I just I didn't even open this guy's message because he messaged you me like just wondering why I they'll read it, just wonder why I'm not being responded. Do you not need any more investors? Would like to know one way or other, you know. Um, I just can't get back. To, well, I have to. I get back to the just as a matter of courtesy. But either there's lots and lots of money out there right now, or I've manifested the ability to collect lots and lots of money. And the amount of money that I'm collecting now, well, the amount of money that I'm getting offered to me now is far greater than what I can actually spend. So if yeah. anybody has any deals and they want to do deals, there's no shortage of money down this end. Once the deal stacks up, um, but it, it's just. Yeah, I call it JIB, and and the logo just coincidentally looks looks a bit like JIB, but there's no relation there, you know.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad you clarified that. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> But I mean, what, what's I mean, obviously, in your case, it works from the point of view of if you're collecting twelve percent a year on your properties. Then you can afford to to pay somebody twelve percent, you know, interest. Yeah. And uh, obviously, if you were going into a different sort of subsector of the residentials, whatever it is, then and, and you were only getting six percent, well, then obviously that's not going to work that model. But have you tried anything like property bridges or any of these? You know, those the websites that uh, do peer to peer
1: lending. Yeah. Like I, I borrowed I borrowed a loan before off of, um, linked finance. I just tried it and be, I, I basically I was buying a property to flip on and I tried LinkedIn, and they loaned the company money. So uh, I just bought the property and kept it there and I didn't flip it on and I just paid the loan back. But I seen property bridge and stuff like that. And to be honest, I'm probably going the long way around it there and what I'm doing here and it's possibly distracting me. But the people that I initially was borrowing the money from, they were all my clients anyways. This just started off as like a, an off-the-cuff conversation with like, like 200 clients and one guy goes, why don't we all? What happened if we all gave Joe five grand? How long would it take him to to double the million? And, and the answer was like about eight damn months. In the end, when we when we went through it, you know, but I was like, nah, listen, all you fuckers shouting at me for five grand, get get a grip, you know. Um, but it, it scattered momentum, and then we we done a couple of deals, and you see the way we're chatting, we having the confidence to go up. The first day we done, I had the money in the bank to do the deal, and I says, well, if I we keep that money there and I borrow the money off the guys, well then I'm in. The, position to go again right away with my same money and then i went back again and then i kept growing and now we're just you know look we're we're talking literally peanuts in the grand scheme of the the property space but it's it's enough for me to create wealth
0: well that's the thing is is, like one of the things that i've always said is you should focus on what you can control you know, if you, yes. you get you get bigger, too big for your boots, you start looking at what everyone else is doing and you start looking at. The reality is, is if you think about three circles and the one in the middle, the little one, that's you. And that's what you can control. And then the circle outside of that is the people around you, your, your friends and your colleagues and things like that. You can't control them, but you can influence them. Okay. Um, influence. But influence, yeah. yeah, all you can do is influence them. And so they might do something for you but you can't control them or force them to do it and then the circle outside that is everything other than that and that is the news the the weather the you know it's just it's not in your control so so only worry about what you can control yourself and you're what you're doing at the moment you're in control you've got all of this stuff happening you've got a lot of cash inbound from all of these different people you're definitely doing something right so i would focus on that and don't be thinking, oh, look at what all these other guys are doing and stuff. Because once you start looking at what other people are doing, you lose the focus and you start kind of drifting outside of your area of expertise and stuff. And it's unless it's the it's the it's the next logical step for you to level up, then then don't be distracted by it, you know.
1: Yeah, I think distraction is a big thing. You know, and I do listen to the guests you have on like and that's why when you asked me to do this, I was delighted because I, I'd be listening to some of these guests you have on like, holy shit man, these guys are clever, you know. You know, you had one guy who was like a city planner in Singapore or Malaysia. I'm like, Whoa. Like, whereas I'm like little old me in Saying, like, Look at that house, I want to buy that. And I'm like, Look at that house, I want to buy another one. But it's working for me to, to a certain degree. But now I know that I'm capable of much more and I, I want to go up to the next level. So I, I love just hearing what way people people think and people ask. Like I, I'll give you a quick one there. Um, people will be always messaging saying, oh, I'd love to meet you for coffee and all that sort of stuff, you know. So I was like, what do you say to these people? Because I can't meet everybody, you know, and uh, oh, I would have to buy you lunch and all. So I was like, right, here's what I'll do. I'll see how a billionaire reacts when you ask them to go for lunch. So I emailed Grant want about 10 times saying, I want to buy you dinner, you know. <laughs> and uh, eventually he wrote back and said, look, I only meet people if we're talking about business. So send a proposal. And if I'm considering we talk about our dinner, you know. And I was like, geez, that's a great. So that's how he says no to people. And so when someone says to me, like, can I meet you for lunch? I'm like, yeah, no problem. What would you like to chat about? And if they tell me and they give me a little bit of an insight, I'll say, well, let's jump on a call. And if we jump on a call then and there's a bit of business going to happen, well, then we'll 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 do lunch, you know. Uh, but I'm always looking at how do these people think? How do they react? You know, yeah. how does a guy that's running a 400 million business park, how does he how does he manage to do all that sort of stuff? And I, I love seeing you about doing your fitness stuff and oh, all because I'm, I'm I'm into my fitness as well. Uh, but it's those little things as to how people react um, with dilemmas. I think is good because I didn't have much of a kind of a, a positive business influence in my life growing up mm-hmm. um, at the level that I want to go to. And you don't know how to handle these things until you see somebody else handling them. Um, I I do say to people that I've done three apprenticeships in my life. The first one was. From 16 to 20 when I was a bricklayer. The second was like kind of 21 to 31 in the building company. And then I've done four years now on social media at this I'm 37 now, so the maths are, there's a bit of an overlap there. But you do need to do the apprenticeship for sure. before you can, like I see guys going out to like to run a marathon and they have to put so much effort in and you get like a, a, what would be class as like a not great result. Now the finisher, which is amazing in itself, and I could be just not training for a couple of weeks and go out and just turn up and and do a better job, but that's all the years.
0: Yes, yeah. In the
1: legs, you know, and I'm trying to find a way to fast track getting all them years into my head. It's I just, business I just, stuff. Yeah, exactly. But look, this is this is well, the game we play.
0: Before we uh, before we go, Joe, I wanted to just spend a few minutes on your on your athletic stuff. Um, you've um, you know, like myself, you're you're big into the fitness and stuff, <laughs> but unlike me you go for the ultra distances in the running and stuff and so the last time I looked at you you were running something like 100 kilometers around Dublin or something like that tell us a little bit about that what got it what how did you get into that first of all
1: Uh, so look see like when I'm in business I'm kind of in charge and I'm I'm calling the shots you know and I'm like most times when I'm conducting myself I'm at the top of the realm so to speak but I'm lucky enough that I've got a couple of mates that are really into their fitness so when I go up I just do what they're saying just do whatever they say and uh like i've got a philosophy that you know if somebody has more than me or has what i want i'm a student just shut my mouth and just do what i'm told and if they don't have what i want well i don't really want to i don't want to hang my, my coat on everything they say you know um so um one of my buddies is like super fit far fitter than me better shape you know brilliant so he just picks the race and i just turn up and do it um, and he likes the fact that I just do whatever he tells me to do. So I've um, done a hundred k run around Dublin twice. Uh, once How long does that take you? Uh, it took us geez, I, don't know, I think about we 13 hours, something like that. The last time we done it, um, the first time I done it, I was in a terrible state after. But the second time I done it, I wasn't too bad, you know. Right. Um And now there's another one there. The summer solstice, you start running when the sun comes up, and you don't stop till the sun goes down. So wow. that's that's the next one up, on. but it's really a mental thing. But see, like, like I train because it helps me, be having a healthy mind, and it helps me become a better business owner. I believe. But you see, when I was mentioning at the start there, well later on about I can just make this happen and just manifest stuff Well, I was like, wait, if I can run one hundred kilometers in one day, the amount of people on earth that have done that would be like point zero 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 whatever one percent. I'm like, right, that means that I can push myself more than other people and if I can do hundred kilometers in one this is me talking to myself again like with the whole card thing. If I can do hundred kilometers in one day, surely I can do anything that I set my mind to. And then we done that once and then I done it once and um I connected with a guy that was that on Instagram and he's running around the whole width of the equator like 38,000 wow. kilometers. Jeez. So he came down to my office and we had a little chat and the next two or three days later I was doing to hundred K. I was saying like it's thirty eight thousand kilometers or whatever, Google the circumference of the equator and he's like, Yeah, but look, like, you get going and then we start talking about my hundred K and I was like, Yeah, sure look, I've done it before it's grand and he's like, Now see what you're saying now, that hundred K he says some people will be blown away by that. He said, And again, like what you're saying about going up in the layers. So uh, yeah, look, that's that's what it is. Um it's good, crack, it's good for the mind, puts you to the test. So give uh, us a us out there the next time.
0: If people wanted to reach out to you, Joe, how would they do that if if if, if we're if we've got a trades audience listening in here and they're saying jeez I, I like the sound of that um, mentorship program how what's the best way to reach Just, out to joe I,
1: i'm I'm everywhere as joe doyle entrepreneur facebook instagram my email address is info at joe you can find me i'm I'm easily contactable I, I actually own the full page of google for joe doyle i'm proud of what i am you know
0: <laughs> and tell me uh, one question i just had in mind is because uh, we have a, a quite a big uk audience as well would the stuff that you're teaching be applicable in the uk
1: oh absolutely yeah we've got we've got quite a few clients from the uk now as well
0: okay that's great yeah yeah, yeah. good stuff
1: no, it's, okay it's, it's universal
0: Good stuff. All right, Joe. Well, look, it's been a real pleasure chatting.
1: Excellent stuff, man. Thank you for having me today. See you at the top.
0: All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Joe Doyle. I think you'll agree with me. His mindset is just uh, really so strong and the, the you know, no matter any challenge he faces, he pretty much looks at it as an opportunity. And that has stood to him. And I, can t- I, I do believe he'll go on and achieve all of the various goals that he is pushing for. So that is it for episode number 57 of Behind the Facade. Thank you so much for listening. As always, my number one ask is for you to leave a review or simply share the episode out with somebody you think would benefit from it. Now, in the show notes, you're going to find various links to the things discussed with Joe today. So you're going to find links to uh, his, um, his page on Facebook and various things like that. If you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes, please connect with me via the Facebook group Behind the Facade community. Alternatively, as always, I'm you know, giving a little bit of a plug to my YouTube channel. My social media handle is Gavin J. Gallagher, and that goes for the YouTube channel as well. So please pop over there and subscribe, and um, I'm going to be putting out more and more videos. I'm actually going to be putting out a video this week on a development site that we have started out in a place a, a part of Dublin called shank Hill and we're going to be building 54 units out there and so it's a it's it's only a ground clearance stage at this point in time so it's a good time to start a, a kind of weekly or sort of every two weeks I think I'm going to do kind of a project update and just let you follow along with the development of the project and let you how see how it goes and stuff like that so last of all just wanted to mention my mastermind group I'm going to be putting that out in uh, July it's going to be starting it's going to be um, hands-on sort of learning about real estate uh, investment real estate development how to assess deals how to review deals how to you know get deals over the line all of that kind of stuff with me And we're going to review your deals. If you're working on something, you can bring that to the table. If you're trying to get something over the line, you can bring the opportunities to the table and we'll go and review all of that stuff uh, every week. And um, if you're interested, if that sounds like something you'd like to do, if you'd like to kind of work alongside me on some of these things, then please um, connect with me. Let me know that you'd like to be in. A few people already have. It's going to be very limited numbers. I'm only going to be taking on 15 at the most because I want it to be a tight group where I know everybody by their first name and I know about the projects, and I can't do that if it's kind of huge numbers of people involved. So if that sounds of interest, please connect with me and make sure, as I mentioned earlier, that you're on the email list so that you can get updates for that mastermind group because I'm gonna be putting a link out to that um, course um, to go and sign up for it um, via the email. So you'll find that by adding your name on the list www.gavinjgallaher.com forward slash go. All right, folks, it's been a good weekend and I hope you're all having a good one and I'll see you again next week.